Hey there, I'm Scott, and this is Tangents. Well, I'm quite tired, and there's a lot of noise outside that is annoying the hell out of me, and there's a lot of noise inside that's annoying the hell out of me. I, I'm sure you can't hear it, but my MacBook is in the other room, and all it's doing is recording audio on Logic. Well, it has some other stuff open, but nothing is running. Um, and the fan is on at full speed and it's super hot to the point where I'm almost afraid I'm going to be recording this and it's going to drop out. So if you hear a sudden drop in audio quality, we've probably transferred from the logic recording to the phone's recording, um, which is much, much worse. And maybe there won't even be a logic recording, who knows? Um, Apple is coming out with a new MacBook Pro, new 16-inch MacBook Pro, I think next month in October. End of, it's already the 24th of September, which is crazy as fuck, but as soon as they fucking come out with those and release them, I'm getting one, uh, which is annoying because I got the current one because the butterfly keyboard was terrible in my previous one. I lived with it. Every time I would use the internal keyboard on it, I'd hit I and it would just like type like five I's, five lowercase I's, because um, it stuck, right? And I finally went to a wedding, was away for a week. And usually on a trip, I will take my computer, but this one I was like, okay, fuck it. I need to get the keyboard fixed. Brought it into the Apple store, they fixed it, was done when I got back, came back, got it. And it actually worked for about a week, maybe two. Maybe even a month. I don't know. But then it started having sticky keys again. So it was like, fuck this shit, you know? I got, to be fair, I got an external keyboard. So from having that shitty keyboard, they sold me another like, external wireless Apple keyboard, which, annoying, but okay. And uh, also, you know, I got... As soon as the next one came out, the 16-inch Intel-based, no butterfly keyboard, um, I, I jumped on that one because I was like, this fucking thing is a piece of shit. And when I got that, um, as I was setting it up, it crashed. And th this was foreboding, and I should have picked it up and sent it back immediately. But it did that. I was like, okay, I'm just going to grind through, set it up. And then it basically, at least a few times a week, was crashing and um I'm, I'm certain based on the symptoms and the way that like some of the display would get a little bit of corruption and that it would be like frat and like done i'm pretty sure it was uh, some problem with the memory maybe a bga was like under tension or something or you know it, it doesn't really matter what whatever the fuck it was the some of that is that the fucking thing would have this it this horrible glitch that caused it to crash which is really annoying really fucking annoying when you're working that's your primary work computer and the damn thing needs to be rebooted you know a few times a week while you're using it it also was getting even hotter than it is now and you know had some other issues the fan was like it is now and yeah, I'm just like fucking pulling my hair out. Finally, I lived with this for a little while. I talked to Apple Care, which I never. The, the thing that sucks about Apple Care is the people, and this is like customer service. This is basically like customer service in general at this moment in time. They are ridiculously almost over friendly, super nice people. Um, they do talk with you for much longer than you'd probably like, and they don't really have that much power to resolve anything. So it's like you, you feel bad that your computer is fucked up, but then you spent an hour and a half talking to Tom or whoever the fuck's on, on Apple Care, and, you know, it's like, well, sorry, I can't really do much for you. It's like, oh, this is fucking awesome. Thank you. And it, you can't be, you can't really be mad at this guy because... He doesn't have any power. He's just like a, a fucking there to placate people and maybe talk people through like rebooting their computer if they're having some kind of issue of that scale. So it's annoying. 
And I, I went to Apple Care a couple of times, um, probably spent three, four, maybe even five hours on the phone with them. Finally, send the computer back, logic board replaced. Uh, they replaced the logic board, they replaced for some reason, and I assume this is because it was a known issue, uh, the controller for the, uh, there's a little like OLED display that sort of is up above the where the function keys used to be. Um, I can't even remember what the fuck they call that, but I think they're getting rid of it. Uh, the only thing I've ever found it really useful for is actually during a Zoom video call, when it's over, say somebody's sharing their screen, the quit button is in the lower right hand corner. And before the meeting is over, they always stop sharing their screen, so it's now a shrunk window, and you have your cursor right over where it was, but now it's over here, so you have to reacquire it and hit it on that fucking touch bar. That's the name of the thing. On the touch bar, they have a quit button, and that doesn't move. So you can hit that, and then hit it twice, I think you have to, and then you're done, um, versus reacquiring the thing on the screen. Anyway, the touch bar controller I think was broken um, and it was causing an overheating issue. Get the computer back, same fucking issue. Ended up going through this process three times. Three, like, couple logic board replacements. The second time I sent it out for a logic board replacement, I went kind of fucking nuts and I got a new MacBook Pro from Best Buy because they had like a week or two return policy. And it had the same fucking problem, which, I mean, you think about the odds of you just get a random computer and th this one also, I didn't install the beta OS that I normally would do. So it was like the same problem. Immediately crashing and running hot and all this stuff. Pretty, pretty clear that the shit is fucked, right? I returned, I wiped it and returned it, get my computer back. And the third one, it now just runs hot, but it doesn't crash all the time. So the running hot, of course, is because they have, and it's not, it's not totally their fault. Intel has not been doing great at the mobile processors. Um, so the thing has a processor that's got too much, too much heat being generated. It's burning too much power for the performance. Now, an alternative approach to this would have been either to make the computer bigger, give it a bigger heat sink or something, or to not have as powerful of a processor in there, at least until they could do better. Neither one really appeals, but I, I will take a bigger computer over. It's one thing that annoys me with Apple. They're like, everything's got to be as thin as fucking possible. The, the 13, iPhone 13, they finally bumped up the battery and made it slightly thicker. Almost not even noticeably thicker, probably noticeably heavier, but still, I would, I have a iPhone 12 Pro Max, and I got it for two reasons. One, because the battery's much bigger, and two, because it has a much better camera. And the battery being bigger, I still cannot make it through a fucking day of normal use without having to recharge the thing. That seems like a fucking problem. So that is mainly, like, if I was going to get a 13, that's the biggest appeal for one. Uh, but, you know, the 13 is the only time I'm, I can think of where they've gone backwards in terms of making things ridiculously thin. And it seems like a massive improvement to me. So, you know, the fucking computer, I can, I, I'm pretty sure it hasn't crashed yet because I can still hear the fan in the next room. And I, I wish you could hear it. I almost want to record it. I've noticed it's very hard to get a good recording of sort of white noise. I guess most microphones are set up for human voice and there's probably some DSP and stuff that's kind of like canceling out all the noise. But there are a lot of times when I want to record that and I can't. Or I can get like something like it, but it's not, it doesn't really do it justice. Anyway, um... The thing that I have now kind of sucks, runs really hot, still expensive. Um, getting a new one as soon as they come out with a new one. So they've kind of arguably fucked up the, the butterfly keyboard. And their reward for that was that I got these other two computers. And I thought I wasn't gonna, like if the, if the keyboard was great, I would get a better one. 
anyway. But now I'm driven to do it just because this thing sucks fucking shit through a straw. You know, it's terrible. And on that time when I got the, the new Mac, I also went fucking nuts and I got like the top of the line, I don't know what it was called, like Surface Book or Surface Book Pro or what, whatever it was, like the MacBook Pro version of Surface, uh, the, the nicest one that they had at the time. And I was like, I was literally seriously considering like switching to Windows. Um, the experience of actually using Windows sort of disabused me of that pretty quickly because it's... It's amazing, like as much, I, I can criticize Mac OS and Apple all day long, but holy shit, Windows is bad. Like the, not even like big things, like just the font consistency. Like there, there are applications that I would have where the fonts would be like micro print on the screen because I had a pretty decent resolution screen and they didn't adjust correctly or something. And then there are ones that are, you know, like you could adjust it, but it would never be consistently reasonable like you'd have just giant fonts except for the ones that were micro and now they're like okay sized and just there were so many things that were just annoying with that and it did have a fan that would come on although its fan was much much quieter than this one i can't hear this one now because the air conditioner is on and partly i'm glad that it is because i'm hoping it's going to cool it down but also partly it's making me nervous like is it going to work i don't know um, but anyway, really looking forward to this Apple Silicon-based Mac, and no, I can still hear it. Never mind, it's still on. Has not crashed yet. Um, looking forward to it because I know it's much more power efficient and has much less thermal dissipation for unit of performance, which means the battery either lasts longer, or you can get a smaller one, or hopefully, I would like the same size battery and make it last much longer. But that's just me. But it also means that hopefully in a couple months, I won't have that fucking sound that is driving me nuts. And as annoying as it is, two rooms over, when you're sitting there and it's on your desk and it's like, you know, just incessantly and you can, it's so hot that like I've got it literally at arm's length from me because I have a external display. So the computer is over here. I can feel the heat radiating from it on my cheek. Like, I, it's hot. It's not, it's not like a little warm, it's hot. You touch it and it's fucking hot. You put it on your lap and you practically burn yourself. Like, it's annoying. Even if the fan was perfect and quiet, still too fucking hot, really annoying. And still unstable. I mean, it's, since I got this logic board replaced, it's much better. Fucking annoying, that's all I'm saying. So anyway, this is not an Apple podcast or, um, or video, you know, however many minutes we are into it now. Uh, what I wanna talk about now, and what I wanted to talk about here, I thought about a few things, and uh, I, always have, I always have more topics than you know, time, but I wanted to talk about more. And specifically, what I mean by this is just the way that our society is structured. And, and really it's kind of, I don't know if it's just like malignant late stage capitalism or, or what, but whatever it is, our entire civilization is structured in some really stupid ways. And what I want to get to here is basically like, you know, first off, I talk about this a lot, but uh, like the, the one where I was talking about ads, sponsors. Um, I would much rather have YouTube videos where people don't need sponsors. It's annoying. Like if people were just independently, not even necessarily wealthy, but just like you can go about your life and do whatever the fuck you wanna do and you don't have to worry. And if you wanna make YouTube videos, you can. If you don't, you don't have to. Um, that'd be nice. And I know there would still be people that would be doing it because there are people who would do it. You know, I'm, I'm not weird and unique here. There are other people who do it just for fun. Uh, it is hard to justify spending too much time on it if you're not monetizing it, but that's like how fucked up our world is. Um, that thing that we have there where it's like you, you have the gun to your head and you have to make money, um, 
now I do understand if we were in a time where there wasn't enough for everybody, um, you know, like we all had to toil all of our lives constantly to be able to just to survive or scrape by, that's different. But we're in a situation now where we could actually be paying farm workers much more. And even then, we would have such a vast surplus of food, um, we'd be fine. And food is really one of the, you know, I mean, there are other things that are kind of essential to life that we need, but it's one of the major sort of limits on whether or not we can exist. Yeah. If you don't have air conditioning or heating, you know, unless you happen to be like uh, Minnesota in the winter or Arizona in the summer, you can probably manage pretty well. You do need to eat, however. So you imagine you got that, and then you look at infrastructure. You know, I, I always do this math, and you kind of think about it, and like what percentage of people are doing truly essential work, like work where if they stopped doing it, we would all be fucked. Um, certainly all the people working in water treatment and, you know, you want to be able to drink. It's important. Uh, food production, and especially the people on the front lines who get paid fucking shit and often work in bad conditions, often are working, air quotes, illegally. Not because, you know, they want to, but because the people who they're working for, air quotes, working, really like the cheap labor and they really like having labor that is not in a position to call them out on their bullshit. So they insist that there's no nice path to working legally. It, it's, it's funny when you make that realization because, you know, I mean, first off, I'm, I'm a huge believer in like a global version of the Shenzhen kind of thing where like, if you live in France, you can work in Spain, you can work in any place in the EU. You move there, you're basically, like it's not quite the same country, but it's really close. It's like different states pretty much. Uh, imagine if it was like that around the world. Like if I wanted to go to Spain as a US citizen because it's in this global Shenzhen, I could do that. If I want to move to China or uh, Australia or New Zealand or wherever, I can just, I, I want to go to Costa Rica. It's part of the global community and they want to come here. Part of the global community, you can do whatever. It'd be fucking awesome. Now, it, it's an interesting thing because you're like, well, what is a country without its borders? And it's like, at a certain point, I don't think the border is that important. I mean, I know people get their panties in a bunch about it and we have all this stuff like, oh, we got to defend our, yeah. Fuck you. I mean, honestly, like if you just make things better in other places in the world, there's a hell of a lot less pressure for people to come here. And honestly, like if people want to come here and work, I, mean, I always think about my grandfather. You know, he, I do not believe he came in any way that would be considered legal. And my understanding, and I could be wrong about the story, but basically he and his friend Antonio, um, maybe one or two other people, stowed away on a ship and rode the ship from Spain to New York. And, you know, they have a story where they're like dying of thirst and watching people like just tossing ice out into the ocean. Um, you know, so it kind of seems like, you know, but they couldn't do anything. They couldn't like go, oh, well, we need that um, because they were, they were stowed away. So, and then he came over and these guys went around the country and kind of picked up jobs here and there, and finally eventually started working in a steel mill. Um, they, they also, I was gonna say famously, but obviously you wouldn't know this. In, um, in my family, a relatively famous story was they went to a coal mine one day, when one of the jobs that they tried working, and they went down in the morning and came up for lunch, and they both looked at each other and said, fuck this, and left. And what you don't have to, you know, I, I don't know very much about being in a coal mine. Um, I do know it's hot and it's dirty and it's unpleasant. But my grandfather spent his entire work life, you know, decades, uh, basically shoveling coal or coke, I guess, 
into a into an oven. So fucking hot oven, and he's like there doing this hard manual work um, near a super hot source, shoveling coke. Right. The guy that did that thought that working in a coal mine was unacceptable. Now, how bad was the coal mine? That's that's all I can think there. It's one of those things like, you know, you get, um, you know, like Mansion, um, this fucker, like anyone defending coal mining, uh, to me, all I can think about is my grandfather. And it's like, it, it was this bad. And you, these are not people that were like lazy or that like persnickety about stuff. They, they took some shit and they would kind of roll with it. Um, the coal mine was not in the cards for them. Like how bad did it have to be? And so it, it just to me seems crazy. Um, and also, you know, I'm, I'm not kind of neutral on nuclear power, but the big scare with nuclear power is, is fallout. And the crazy thing is that coal actually, uh, because you know, coal is not just carbon, it's got a bunch of other bullshit in it. It has uranium and it has, um, I mean, it has a bunch of other isotopes and it has a bunch of, bunch of things in it. And this stuff has you know, thorium in it and th you know, things that are not great. When you burn the coal, that stuff goes out into the atmosphere so you actually have much more radiological release from burning coal than nuclear power. And I think on a global scale, that might even be true factoring in like Fukushima and uh, Chernobyl. I, I'm not certain about those two, but I think it's actually true, which tells you something. Now, granted, it's different, it's like an alpha emitter versus gamma emitters and, you know, like that, but still, you know, to the extent that you can normalize it, I think that's actually a thing. And so coal is really bad shit. In addition to, you know, like the, when my dad was a kid, they, my grandmother would like wash clothes and then put it out like on a line to dry it out. And after being outside for a while, often the clothes would be covered in soot. And it's not like they lived right next to the steel mills, but you know, smoke does not stay where it is. And they, I'm sure they didn't live in like the super wealthy area that was far away from, uh, from this stuff. So, you know, everything's kind of covered in soot all the time. You imagine like Victorian England where I mean, you can even still to this day, smell some of the soot in, uh, in some of the tube stations. Like you go there and it's a strong, like, wow. Um, Imagine what it must have been like back then, before they had electric trains, they actually had coal-fired trains going through tunnels. I mean, I can't imagine, I can't fucking, and it, compared to what they had before, I guess it was great, but now that you got better stuff, why do it? Um, and that's, that's without even factoring in, you know, I mean, you certainly have like polycyclic aromatics and things in there that are gonna be carcinogens. Um, and also all of this other stuff, like uh, the uranium and the thorium and decay products and stuff like this, not good stuff. So anyway, um, what I'm trying to roll to is this more idea. We've got the, the foundation that I'm trying to set there is basically, there's a small percentage of people who are really essential workers today. And beyond that, beyond that, um, you know, people who are collecting garbage, Pretty fucking essential, I think. Um, you, know, you start like peeling these things off and then you realize that's a, yeah, if you wanna be super generous, a few percent, maybe 5%, the rest of the people could literally stop doing whatever the fuck they're doing, including probably, you know, obviously you're not in a situation where you could stop your job and be okay, but I would bet if you think about it, if your job ceased to exist, um, the impact on humanity would be nil. And I don't mean that as an insulting statement. I just mean most of what most people do today is, you know, at best, kind of meaningless. At most, you know, at most maybe it's moving the needle a little bit for some people or it's helping in some way. But for the most part, not even remotely 
in the critical path for civilization to continue. And when you think about that, you start realizing like, well, why are we chasing so much? Why are we working so hard? Why are we, why is it so necessary that so many people who are doing non-essential things always be doing this shit? And not only do they have to always be doing it, um, you know, you can't have paternity leave in the U.S. especially. Uh, if you work at Intel, okay, you get a nice paternity leave, but most people, most jobs, little to none. Maternity leave here is a fucking joke. Um, vacation time, you know, a couple weeks a year, oh, that's, that's so much vacation. It's like, how can you imagine taking a two-week vacation? Are you fucking shitting me? Yeah, I mean, I understand two weeks seems like a lot, but a two-week vacation should be just like bare, bare, bare minimum. You should, I, I would say like four to six weeks per year at the very least should be normal. And taking a two week, like taking two weeks off should just be a given. Like, honestly, you want to take a couple weeks? Uh, good, good. Go do that. Write your mind, chill out, uh, be comfortable zen out and come back and be better at whatever you're doing. This is a thing that's really annoying to me. And then you think about like, um, yeah, obviously I have, I have a couple companies and I, depending on how you look at it, kind of like one main company that's spun off a couple of other companies. And, you know, you look at the situation there. It's like, how do you keep the people that you're, that are working for you paid? It's a big fucking pain in the ass. And how do you do it? Well, you can do, you can do the air quotes bootstrapping, which I, I say it with derision because it's a terrible thing, generally speaking. I mean, if there are several categories of bootstrapping that work, okay? Like you could be a person that comes up with something that everybody really wants and you can make like a half-assed version of it that people will want enough to pay for and then you kind of use that money to build more and then you kind of... There are not that many things like that that you can do, and most of those are also not that meaningful. So you could do that, but you know, another kind of bootstrapping is like you have a decent chunk already, and you can pay for the upfront development time and cost. And I got to tell you, having been both a person trying to develop their own products and somebody who does engineering for other people developing their products. It is insanely expensive. Like if you actually want to make something that's going to volume production, it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of money. Yeah, you can, today there's, there's a very big maker movement and you can, you can get Fusion 360 and you can get Eagle and you can design your own board and you can design something in CAD and 3D print it and you got something that, that's cool. It's definitely cool. But going from that to a mass produced product is, not trivial and it's definitely not fucking cheap um you know so unless you can do something like that and you can sell it for way more than what you're making it for it's problematic and then we live in this world where you know i mean the market the market fetishists uh the sort of religious people about uh, how great the market is they they have this story that they like to tell about how it produces great things. You know, I, I look at my Mac. I have no fucking better option than Apple, as far as I'm concerned. I've had people say, you know, like, Scott, you should go, go to Windows. I, you know, I have engineers who think, that, and I have a Windows machine because I have Altium and I have SolidWorks and I need it for those things. But it sucks. It, it's terrible. It's not good. The Mac has all these problems too, but it's better. And then you're like, well, why not create your own computer? Okay, that's great. You know how much? Now, in the 70s, it was hard. You know, when, when Wozniak was building the original Apple, you know, you're kind of like jury-rigging a bunch of chips to the extent that they had them back then and, you know, like hand-making boards and all this stuff. You could do it, but it's hard. Um, you could do that today with like microcontrollers and that kind of stuff. But if you want to make something that is anywhere near like a MacBook Pro, um, I mean, imagine, let's not even get into the fact that they're going to make their own chips. Okay, let's ignore the, the license that like, 
if you want an ARM license for the cores that they're using, it's like $10 million to just to get started. You can, you can spend less than that, but not get, uh, you get like a one-time use license. If you're Apple, you have much more than that going in. And you need a whole team of developers who know how to make this stuff, who have the tools to do it. Um, you know, when you have billions of transistors, even with automated tools, it's a big deal to make that. And it's not something that, you know, you can tinker with it and you can, you can go on YouTube right now and you'll find somebody who's done their own chips, you know, thousands of transistors. It's cool. It's impressive. But the difference between that and billions of transistors with extreme deep UV kind of uh, etching and the, the kind of stuff that, you know, the machines to do that cost billions of dollars. The clean rooms that those machines sit in cost billions of dollars. The design is literally billions of dollars in years. But let's assume, ignore all that. We're just getting off the shelf chips, right? Okay, so you have, and let's not even say you're stuck with Eagle. You have enough money to get Altium or, or something of that equivalent. So a few thousand dollars a year, 10,000, whatever the, the cost of it is. You have that. Okay, now you have to put the power management IC in, you have to put the CPU in, you have to put the flash, and the DRAM, and all this stuff. And every one of those things that you're connecting, you have to connect in certain, like, it's not like wiring up a microcontroller to peripherals. You actually have to worry about, uh, like, length matching and matching differential pairs, uh, differential and single-ended impedances, uh, precision timing between things. And in concept, like I, I could probably spend like a day and you'd have a pretty decent handle on all of those things. Uh, but the thing is to actually do them, uh, it takes a lot of time. And especially if you wanna, so there's a, there's a range here too. You could do something that's like pretty low performance and you've made your own motherboard. It, it, it's within the hobbyist realm right now to make a motherboard that's like, you know, Okay, it's it's nice. It works, uh, but if you want to do like cutting edge kind of stuff, like anything again near that MacBook Pro, it's fucking expensive. It's fucking hard. You need a team of engineers just for the power. You know, they have a whole team of people just to do the power distribution, and they still fuck things up. They have a team of people to do the graphics. The graphics chip is somebody else. So you're getting, and, and then you have to wire all these things together with the buses that are all high speed buses and everything, you know, and then not even getting to like EMC compliance. Like you can't just make something that's transmitting a bunch of stray radio waves. And, oh, we haven't put software on it. So what are you gonna do for software? You have to, okay, you can get Linux, but to take, like going from Linux or BSD to a polished operating system that is nice to use, even at the level of Windows or Chrome OS, it's a fuck ton of work. And it's a pro probably, again, hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars. Um, you know, I'm not trying to make it sound impossible, but if you want to compete with Apple, like you want to make a product that's like that, or like an iPhone or any of this stuff, and you don't have obscene resources, you're basically shit out of luck. So just fundamentally, I mean, this, this myth with capitalism that somehow, okay, well, you have all these companies competing, and then you'll get the best products. It doesn't work. It fundamentally does. It, it, like it cannot work on things of this level of complexity. Yeah. I mean, if you if you want to look at like space flight, okay, you get SpaceX, and then yeah, I mean, here's the other thing. Even when you actually do something kind of cool and different, I'm not trying to blow too much smoke up SpaceX, but you do that, and then people see that you were somewhat successful with it, and they copy you. Like, and, and I'm not saying that copying is easy. Uh, making a vertical takeoff, vertical landing, orbital scale rocket is an engineering problem. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty big fucking deal. And, but it's doable. And once you've seen, like once somebody's gone out and established, oh, this is a thing to do, and you've seen what it looks like and you can kind of reverse engineer it, you can, you know, if you have the time and the money and the resources, especially if you have a nation state, you can do it. If you're like a multi-billionaire, if you're Jeff Bezos, you can do it. Although 
even then, you know, copying that is very non-trivial. So trying to, and then once you have that set up, the contracts are so big that imagine I had a rocket company and I could do uh, like million dollar launches for the sort of thing that a Falcon 9 could do for, you know, however many millions of dollars that is. They've already got all these contracts. They've got a whole team of people in NASA and lobbying Congress and all this. Just to get started, like to prove, even if you had like a proven technology, to get started with that part is a big fucking deal. To get the FAA licenses for radio communication while you're doing it, to get the, um, or the FAA for flight, rather, FCC for the radio, getting all of this stuff done, it's hard. It's like a big fucking deal. And so you have all these barriers to entry and these things. And if you imagine like the ideal case where it's like you're making some magic widget that nobody's ever thought of before and it's super useful and okay, it is patented, but still, um, you know, people are spending millions or billions of dollars on it. A bunch of people look and they're like, oh, I'm gonna copy that. And then they do it. And the thing about that that gets me is like, okay, on one hand, sure, fine. But on the other hand, the whole drive to just copy shit, because you're like, oh, somebody found a way to make money. I'm just gonna duplicate whatever they did. Um, maybe making money isn't, it should not be the end all be all, like massive driver of motivation for these things. And like, it doesn't need to be. We could, we could all be living, and when I say we could all, I mean, including people who are working on farms and who are working in really just terrible conditions, we could all be living in relative luxury and comfort without developing any new technology. You don't need like autonomous robots. You don't need any of this stuff. Just simply rejiggering our society. Like with the resources that we have and the technologies we have now could be doing it. And you look at the way that it is versus that, and especially like the way that it is, well, what is, what is happening? You have people driven to you know, mine fossil fuels and dump shit in the air and pollute the, the water, you know, put mercury in, in the oceans where we get our fish from and put PCBs and terrible shit in the fucking ocean where people eat from. And, you know, you, you, you look at this stuff that's driven by capitalism and you just, and I have to say it, like, I, I'm not saying that there's an alternate system that's massively better, but I mean, there certainly, you know, there certainly is something that we could be doing that would be much better. We could certainly also, you know, even if you like are an Elizabeth Warren, like capitalist to your bones kind of bullshit person, even if you are, okay, well, let's soften the fucking bottom at least. You know, like everybody, literally, it should just be a given that you can go anywhere in the world and work anywhere in the world. Maybe there's, okay, maybe like North Korea is weird and you can't get in there. You probably don't want to go because you can't get out. But for the most part, if you want to go anywhere in the world, you want to go to Argentina and work there and live there and set up a life, by all means, you want to go to Nigeria and, uh, you know, or, or Somalia or wherever the fuck you want to go. Um, just do it. Welcome to Thailand. You know, it's like, you can just do it. And... If someone from uh, India wants to come here, let them fucking do it. Have the world be like that. And then when you do that, well, education should be free. Healthcare should be free. Um, and obviously like free at the point of service and all this bullshit. It, you know, yes, it costs money. You have to pay people to do stuff. It's not like you're just getting magical free healthcare or the healthcare tree. But you know, if you look at what other countries spend on universal healthcare versus what we do, and on drugs versus what we do. And especially things like, uh, you know, I mean, there are things where, like, okay, you're making a, a medication for people with a weird, rare mutation, and, you know, there are like five patients in the world, but there was this, like, rare diseases thing, and now you're making a drug that treats it. Okay, maybe that one is actually inherently expensive to make, but probably doesn't cost, like, millions of dollars a year or hundreds of thousands of dollars a year but maybe it's expensive and it did take some development and all this 
but we have the resources to pay researchers to develop this stuff. We have the resources to pay people to work on all kinds of things and to pay for all of the equipment and all the materials and all this kind of stuff. We could do it. We literally could do it. It's not like a, I don't know, we operate as though we live in a world where, you know, we're just like living, barely scraping by. And, you know, like, you have to protect what's yours because they, they're out there trying to take it from you. They're trying, they're, they're trying to take it from, you know, fuck you. Like, and I say fuck you to that person, but it's not really even that person. It's the people telling them this. So, like, they're, they're not trying to take it from you. Like, for the most part, we live in an abundant world. We have so much space and so many resources. If we just allocated them right, it would be basically a paradise. Like, we have the ability within our hands, without developing new technology, to live in almost a utopia. And... Also, not even with like some weird total cultural revolution or something like this. Like, obviously, the history of those things is not great, but you don't have to do that. There are, you know, it's not like you have option A and option B, and those are the only two paths you can go down. There are a lot of examples already existing, and you just, it doesn't take that much time to just kind of think about, like, okay, let's see what happens if we do this. Let's see how, how do we. How do we do that? How do we pay for this? Well, we'll do this and we, you know, it, it's not, it's not that hard. Waving my hand saying nothing, but it's still not that hard. And not that expensive either. I mean, this is, this is the thing. It's not like, um, yeah, it's not like you need to spend quadrillions of dollars. And especially when you look at the amount of money that we spend on defense, for example, we have this massive military industrial complex and so many people are very wealthy based on defense spending, but, and we spend like we're in a fucking constant world war. We spend more than like, I, it's either order of three times China or um, just above, just below, but basically there. Um, and China is a bigger country. I don't know if you know this, but they have more people than us. They have more space to defend. It's, it's ridiculous that we're spending this much money. And we could be spending, like imagine if we were spending even half of that. Just let's keep, up, keep half of it. We're just gonna spend half of it on education and healthcare and making our world, making our country better. Um, it'd be so much fucking better. Make a, not defense industrial, or military industrial complex, but you know, make like a, civilizing industrial complex, make like a healthcare industrial complex that's actually, you know, working to, well, not like the one we have now, but something that's actually working to get people better, to optimize for, you know, needing less medicine and living longer and healthier lives and having, you know, like pick some metrics, like longevity, um, maternal and infant mortality, you know, pick, pick some things and do the work to reduce or expand the, the lifetime, the life expectancy, for example. You know, it's not, it's not something that's not in the realm of possibility. This is the thing that's frustrating about it because you, know, you have like, not to get into to politics, but like Bernie Sanders was treated, and not just Bernie Sanders, but people of his ilk were treated like, you know, these people that are just saying, like, give us everything. We want everything for free, man. We want to, you know, you need to do that. And, and no, I mean, like, literally all he's saying is that we should be, we, the wealthiest country in history, should be not even at parity, but anywhere near the vicinity of approaching getting close to parity with our peer nations who have basically for generations had better health care than we do. You know, our, our life expectancies are going down. Infant and maternal mortalities are going up. We have all of these things and we spend so much and it's getting worse. It doesn't need to be that way. It's just, it's fucking annoying is what it is. And, and I mean, we've like stripped out the national endowment for the arts and all these things that cost just a fucking pittance. Like the amount of money that we 
at the highest, we're spending on art, was so small. And yet it makes the world a much better place. If you, I mean, I wish people would travel more because if you travel around and you go someplace where they have really nice architecture and public art and public spaces that are well-maintained, it's so nice. It's so fucking nice. When you go someplace where you can walk around the city and, you know, it's safe. And by safe, I don't mean like uh, the bullshit sort of fear of like uh, imaginary thugs coming to get you. I mean safe like... The sidewalks are well-maintained. They don't have big bumps in them. Uh, the roads, to the extent that they even have them, are clean. You're not going to fall. You're going to, and, and you know, you're not going to slip on some stuff. It's safe. You know, like actually safe. Um, when you go someplace like that and you come back here, it's like what a fucking shithole. Like, why do you make your place this crappy when you have the resources that you do? And you know, I mean, never mind getting into like education, like how fucking stupid and ignorant people are here. And I don't mean everybody, obviously, but there are a lot of people like they're just, I mean, I, I just read something where people were nebulizing uh, hydrogen peroxide to treat COVID. Like the, the stupidity involved in getting to doing that and the amount of effort that it takes versus actually getting medical treatment. It's just like, and this is for a disease that we have an extremely safe vaccine for and several. And you have people that have these imaginary things about the vaccine. Oh, we don't, we need long-term studies. You, you fucking don't need a long-term study of it. There's nothing in the vaccine that's going to be in your body more than, you know, order of days. Like, mRNA, your body's full of RNAs, like chops up all that shit. It's the pro It's actually a problem with working with an, or with any kind of RNA because there's RNAs everywhere in the world, and it will chew up the RNA you're trying to work with. The adjuvants for it, the liposomes, all this kind of stuff, it just breaks down really fucking quickly. It's washed out of your body. It's gone. The immune response it elicits is no different than any other immune response, basically. I mean, like the, the only way you can plausibly get long-term side effects from it is the adjuvant, I mean, this is like, this is not like a common thing, but you know, like if you really wanna work and stretch and try to come up with an explanation for that, okay, the adjuvant triggers a hyperimmune response to something, and then you have that, and maybe, but not really. You know, it, it, I'm not saying it never happens, but in terms of percentages, it is extremely, extremely rare. And yet you have this problem where people, and it's one of the most frustrating things on Twitter for me, because I get in arguments with people a lot, but there are a lot of people that I like, and they say just dumb, fucking ignorant shit. Like, oh, I got vaccinated, and then this came up. Yes, yeah, you got vaccinated, and then this unrelated disease happened to occur after it. I'm thinking of one particular guy, but I've seen this several times. And I mean, it's, our brains are just built for superstition, I guess. Like you see a correlation, instantly turn that into causation. And that's just how you think about stuff. It's just frustrating because it's like, that, that's a training thing. Like you could be trained to understand this but people aren't, that should be like a basic bit of education. Instead, we have schools that are just, you know, like not only rotting, but like intentionally being carved out. And trying to fund them is, I, I mean, it's so obscene, the shit that these fucking, and I, I don't wanna just lay all of this on the Republicans, but you look at the Republicans in this state, the shit that they do, you know, like passing a flat tax. Flat tax, I understand, like, flat tax is right up there with term limits. If you don't think about it and you know nothing else about it, it sounds, of course you want a flat tax because it's free and fair. And it's, you know, the problem is, the problem with the flat tax is it's highly regressive. Yeah, and I don't want to spend like 20 minutes explaining it to you because I think most of the people listening to this or watching it already know that it's regressive. And the person who needs to know that isn't going to watch me give my, my spiel on it. But it's extremely regressive. You know, the amount of money that it costs to live is finite 
relatively fixed, and doesn't grow that much. Even if you live extravagantly, I mean, it's an interesting thing. You start doing a, just as a thought exercise, you want to live really extravagantly. Now, the most expensive meal I've ever had was, I think it was like $500 a person. I didn't pay for it, but it was something around that order. Maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, but something like that. Imagine that you lived and you wanted to have a $500, you know, that kind of meal every day, every meal. Let's even say you have three meals a day, okay? 1,500 bucks a day. So every 100 days, just do some math, it's 150, 1.5 million dollars, right? So a year is about three, so a few million dollars. Am I doing the math right there? Let's just say I am. Few million dollars. That's a lot of money, right? That's a lot of money that you're spending on food. But the thing is, that's like really trying. Like it's a struggle to find meals that are that expensive. But let's say you're doing it. Few million dollars. You're Jeff Bezos, right? And you don't even have to get to be Jeff Bezos to have a problem here, but you're Jeff Bezos. You earn that in air quotes in a few minutes. You know, like nothing. It is to you as inconsequential as rounding up a 99 cent bill to a dollar. Yeah, probably less than that. Like to him, it's not even, it's, it's a thing like you can, no matter how much you try to really increase that kind of thing, there's a, there's a ceiling and it's pretty low. Like realistically, a nice meal is like 50 bucks, 60 bucks a person. And you start doing some math and you're like, okay, so you start, you get to a decent amount of money, but you know, add those realistic numbers. And if you do like one or two a day, you're making a very small contribution there in terms of food. And once you get past a certain level of income, which is not that high, you know, imagine you're making five or $10 million a year. Sounds like a lot. And I'm not saying five or $10 million a year is not a lot of money. Obviously it's a lot of money. But five, say 10 million, because it's nice to work with the, the decimal places. 10 million a year, you are able to have those meals, as I described, and you still have enough left over to buy a couple million dollar homes or a plane every year. I mean, you know, it's crazy when you think about that. And 10 million is a 10, be shocked, of 100 million, which is a 10 of a billion. 10 million a year, you have those meals, no problem, and you're still making a shit ton of money. If you have a billion dollars a year, that 10 million is like nothing to you. And then 10 billion a year, and you start imagining, like you, you look at the scale of what people, again, in air quotes, make, and it's just unfathomable. And the, the reason that it's important, and the reason this is relevant to the flat tax, Kind of explaining it after saying I'm not going to, but you know, if you are really wealthy, you can have, if you're, if you're making 10 million a year and I take 90% of that and I still have a million dollars a year, you know, you're able to live very well on that. I'm not saying we should take 90%. I'm also not saying that I don't understand marginal rates, which I think is another problem with, you know. I wish people were educated on it or I wish it was changed because it confuses people in a bad way. But you know, if you're taking a massive amount of that, not that big of an effect. If you're making $10,000 a year and I take 10% of that, that is massive to you. So you start looking like, okay, well, the person making 10 million a year, getting the same percentage taken out as the person making, and let's just say, okay, you say this and people are like, okay, well, we're going to start at like 30,000 or whatever. And it's only money above that. Okay. So let's go to a hundred. I don't give a fuck. Um, that person is making a hundred a year. The flat tax is say 30% or whatever. So to them, that is a massive consequential thing. The person that's making 10 million a year, you don't even register it. The person that's making a billion a year, like it's, it's such a non issue that you can't even our brains almost don't have the capacity to be aware of something that's that small. Uh, yeah, it, it's like our attention is 
you can kind of vaguely understand a range of scales. And you can even kind of like sweep up to a galaxy and a universal scale and sweep down to like atomic scale or nuclear scale. But even just in that, in that slide, when you're thinking out here, it's really hard to also hold that in your hand. You know, if you are making so much money or so much money a year, when something is a millionth of that, or a tiny, tiny, tiny negligible fraction of it, you just don't have the mental capacity to recognize that as a thing, and much less understand or appreciate it, and much less feel it because you can't spend this much money. Like there, Bezos literally said, you know, the only way I can imagine deploying this much capital is to start my own space program. Like, or maybe you just have too much fucking money, and yeah, I mean, granted. In world hunger, do all kinds of things that are actually beneficial to people. There are plenty of fucking things you can do besides your own space program. But, and, and the thing that's crazy is he's got so much fucking money. He could do both. He could have his own space program and still end world hunger. And still live at a level that most of us can't even imagine, let alone dream of. Yeah, like, it, it's hard to, if you're on the bottom of that scale, and, and, you know, if, if, you're, you're, if you're making, making 10,000 a year, somebody, somebody making 100,000 seems like infinitely larger than that. It's only a factor of 10. But, but still, if you're making 100, 100 a year, a million or 10 million seems almost inconceivable. Like, you can kind of get it, but it's really hard to fathom. When you're making, like, the amount that he's making, it's just, like, it's another universe. It's almost, like, the, the things that you can do just with a billion dollars. I mean, a billion dollars is a thousand million dollars. So if you have a billion dollars, you can buy a hundred million dollar homes and you still have 90% of what you had. Yeah, I mean, you could have a private jet and you still have like 90%, 95%, do the hundred homes and the private jet. Yeah, okay, so now you still have like 85%. Yeah. yeah, operating, operating expenses, expenses maybe 80% of what you had. You, know, you, you can get some extravagances in there and you can start moving the needle a little bit, but it's still like really hard to spend that much. You know, people look at the half million dollar, or half, what was it? Was it $500 million? I don't even remember. Very expensive yacht that he bought. It's a lot of money, but to him, it's like a little, little puff of nothing. It's like, if you, if you if you went out for a special, special dinner, dinner once a year, and you spend a couple hundred bucks a person, that's, that's like, like that. Him. It's like it's, it's so inconsequential that you know it, it, you probably feel it. It registers. It's a material amount, but it's still almost like you can do it, and you don't have to worry about it. It's not going to fuck up your budget. Um, and a lot of people listening or watching this. Um, Certainly a lot more people outside that aren't. That $200 meal once a day or whatever, or once a year rather, will blow their budget. Like there's this massive scale and there's no need to have it be this much. Uh, but anyway, I don't want to talk also about the, um, the reason that term limits are dumb, but term limits are dumb. Yeah. And and so, at the, at the, I'm not going to go through that one like I just did the flat tax that I didn't mean to do, but um, in addition to term limits, you know, you have this whole political thing where there's like a path. You go, okay, you're in the state legislature, now you become secretary of state, and now you become governor. Um, it's, it's like a treadmill almost. And yet we have term limits, but the term limits don't really matter because people start playing musical chairs and they also have kind of a, a ramp or an elevator that they follow you know it, it, it's just uh, not really it doesn't help so anyway I don't, I don't want to get too much into that and also I need to uh, I need to wrap because it is the end of the day and I uh, I've already closed down my computer but uh, Got to take off in a minute. So, with that, I don't know that I talked enough about more, but uh, maybe there will be more. Anyway, um, that was uh, obviously like a total groaner kind of.
to call it a dad joke would be an insult to dad jokes. It was pretty bad. So I'm not going to edit it out, obviously. Of course, I'm not, you know, it would be, that would take more effort and more time. Just going to leave it there. You can marinate on it and uh, appreciate how much it's up. So with that, thank you very much, as always, for watching and listening. And, uh, Thank you.